When I um, was planning out the monthly service with uh, Linda and I sat down and we chose for the theme attention. And we tried, this month we've tried to look at different things and one thing that just kept coming up was um, I felt very strong about and that is that we pay attention to so many things but I think it's important that we learn how to pay attention and recognize the losses in our lives. And so as I share this sermon with you today, if any of you feel moved and feel need to uh, talk with myself or Linda in this coming week, we're always available to you. But my intent is helping us to recognize that we do have losses and there are a variety of losses and that we need to pay attention to them so we can continue to live. You know, sooner or later, each of us will have or experience a loss in our lives. And I can remember the phone calls if it was yesterday and the message still stings as much as it did on that evening when I heard my mom's voice on the end of the phone. Your father is not going to make it through the night. I made my way to the hospital, but he died 15 minutes before I had arrived. I was devastated. And at the young age of 17, I felt a great sense of loss. My dad and I didn't always see eye to eye, but his passing was very hard for me. We had been through a lot and I had hopes and dreams of growing older and having my dad there to go to for counsel and advice. And now for each of these, hopes and dreams were dashed forever. My mom and I tried to comfort each other, but for me there was no comfort to be had. My feelings that night was past feeling numb. At times it was like I was looking back at my body and witnessing myself talking but connecting my thoughts, feelings, or the present moment with anything that was actually real. Within the days, we held a memorial service for my father, and the outpouring of love and concern was overwhelming. I felt comforted and loved and basked in the concern and the outpouring of love. Within weeks, the phone calls stopped. The visits became fewer and the pain did not go away, nor the sense of loss or grief. I thought that with each passing day, the hole in my heart and my life would be lessened, but it wasn't. I didn't have the luxury of being able to take time to grieve, nor did I want to face the fact that dad was gone and not coming back. Life had to and did continue to move on. Based upon my own personal experiences, losing a loved one is a very painful and conflicting experience for anyone to endure. In many ways, losing a loved one is more unbearable than being sick or losing a job or relationship ending. When we lose a loved one, many tough emotions face us. For me, my emotions were raw and very confusing, and I could not find an answer to the question of why. I had thoughts such as, what could I have done? I should have said this or done that. How can I endure the deep pain and hurt that I feel? 
How will I survive? Asking and pondering these questions only made me hurt more. And my mother, who was an understanding and supportive as a mom can be given the circumstances, suggested that I write down my feelings. That was an excellent suggestion at the time, but I wasn't ready at that time to follow that. Life went on and the challenges in my own life with my children, my relationships with others, kept me involved with the day-to-day workings of my life. The sense of loss remained and in those quiet moments at times it was overwhelming. Years later, when working as a chaplain, I finally had to come face to face with all the feelings and emotions that I had kept buried. I was dealing each day with life and death and situations and being called to provide love, encouragement, and support. And I would counsel family members about the grief process and share with the importance of writing down their feelings and using that to face them and begin to feel a heal from their loss. And one day after meeting with the family and helping them through the initial loss of their loved one, I was struck by that voice within that I had failed to heed for many years. The voice said, what about you? Isn't it time that you write down your feelings about the losses in your life? I had gotten so used to burying those feelings each time that they had arisen. And it was now finally time to deal with them. I took some time and wrote a letter to my twin sister, as well as a letter to my dad. I had lost him at a very young age. And at the time, my twin sister had really helped me to face his loss. And taking the time to write to her and to him My feelings and emotions helped me to see more clearly and enabled me to identify what challenges I had faced and were facing and how to overcome them. Thinking, talking, or writing about losing someone is very personal and emotional, and I wish I had all the answers for the pain and grief that we all feel about loss. All I have is my personal journey of losing many loved ones in my lifetime. And I still feel pain and hurt remembering all those years. But I have survived and eventually found healing, happiness, and contentment in my life. Though facing and embracing your loss openly, you may more quickly realize there is hope and happiness in the future. I remember how I felt after the loss of my father. I just wanted to run away and just be alone. And when I lost my twin sister, my world changed and never has been the same since. But through the years, I have come to learn that those feelings are a natural reaction to loss. The road to recovery for everyone can be agonizing and be very personal and the time frame to finding peacefulness is extremely varied. Don't let anyone tell you that you aren't moving on or that you should be doing this or that, you should be feeling that. Listen to others, but always heed what your mind and heart are telling you. Through the years, I have learned that one of the keys in dealing with loss is self-care. 
I know that in my case, I spent many years always caring for others because it helped me to forget the pain that I felt. And I've come to understand that helping others is a great way to face many of our life challenges, but we also need to learn how to care for ourselves. The following story illustrates this point. Once upon a time, there was a cobbler who was very busy, and he lived in a large village and was the only cobbler in his town. And so he was responsible for repairing the boots of everybody. However, he never had time to repair his own boots. This wasn't a problem at first, but over time, his begins, boots began to deteriorate and to fall apart. While he worked feverishly on the boots of everyone else, his feet got blisters and he started to limp. His customers started to worry about him, but he reassured them that everything was okay. However, after a few years, the cobbler's feet were so injured that he could no longer work, and no one's boots got repaired. Consequently, the entire town started to limp in pain, all because the cobbler never took the time to repair his boots. I like this story because it illustrates a simple principle that we so often disregard. If we don't look after ourselves, after a while, we'll be no good to anyone else either. Your best intentions will mean nothing and you'll be unable to do what you're meant to do. This goes for ministers, for leaders, for social workers, for teachers, and even for parents and grandparents. If you don't take time to care for yourself, no one else will. And I'm not talking about living a self-absorbed experience. I'm talking about making sure you have the energy and focus required to sustain your performance I'm, talking, I'm not talking about fixing your boots. Are you looking after yourself? If you keep going without making any changes, will you eventually burn out? Attention is the key to so many things related in our lives. We must pay attention when we walk across the street. We know our relationships are more satisfying if we pay attention to one another. All this seems somehow self-evident. We know that attention is important. But we think we understand the art of paying attention, but many times, unfortunately, we mistake attention for judgment. We think about attention as a critical function, but attention is not critical. Attention is neutral. We begin to pay attention to something and then we start to judge it, evaluate it, categorize it, and yes, generally criticize it. Judging involves an underlying assumption that our purpose is ultimately to categorize and to act. The rush to being done with something does not increase our capacity to pay attention to it. When we judge something, we generally assess whether we need to fix it, reject it, or enhance it and move on. If our intention is to fix or change or reject something, our capacity to pay attention is actually minimized. We will see only as much as we think we need to see to act. Attention is noticing and being with something without trying to change it.
Attention takes time to fully explore, to discover wherever there is to know about something, to watch as things change by themselves without our trying to fix anything. Attention is patient, and attention is kind. No rush, no burden, no criticism. It is attention, not judgment, that will help our thoughts and feelings find comfort when our loss occurs. So how do we let go of judgment and simply pay attention? How do we practice being that whatever is happening and learning from it? Frank Ostiski, the founder of the Meta Institute, says, welcome everything, push away nothing. That might sound odd. Why should we welcome something unpleasant? The word welcome confronts us asking us to look without judgment and criticism, to invite we to be open to whatever comes, to simply pay attention. So how can we pay attention to the losses in our life? Think for a moment about how you learn to cope with grief as a child. Try to recall how you learn Did a parent or trusted adult sit you down on their knee and try to explain how to deal with the emotional pain of a broken or lost toy or the friend who knocked you to the ground? Likely, they probably never even thought of this as a potential grief. But most people equate grief with death. But do not realize that every change we encounter in life has elements of grief attached. Grief is the normal and natural response to change of any kind. It is part of being human. Grief is an emotion. No matter how you try to use logic to deal with the emotional pain of grief, that grief still exists. You may convince yourself that the emotional pain is relatively insignificant, but the fact that you feel it shows just how significant that pain was in the moment it incurred. What many people do not realize is that grief is cumulative. Each loss that is suffered inside rather than allowed to be expressed stays inside. And with each loss that is not expressed and realized, add to that already expanding stash of internalized pain. And the more pain that is stuffed and stored, the less room there is for joy. And when that internal kettle of pain becomes filled to the brim, it can burst. So grief is this natural process to loss. And coping with the loss of someone or something you love is one of life's biggest challenges. Grieving is a highly individual experience and there's no right or wrong way to grieve. But how you grieve depends on many factors, including your personality and coping style, your life experience, your faith, and how significant the loss was to you. I came across a Wayne Dyer's story called Orange Story and it made me think more about this importance of self-care, which I'm talking about. One time when giving a talk, Dyer brought an orange. 
And he opened a conversation with someone in the 12 year old in the, who was sitting in the front row and he said, if I were to squeeze this orange so hard, what would come out? And the boy looked at him and thought he was a little crazy. And he said, well, juice, of course. And do you think apple juice could come out of it? No, the boy laughed. What about grapefruit juice? No. What would come out of it? Well, orange juice, of course. Well, why, when you squeeze an orange, does orange juice come out? Well, it's an orange, and that's what's inside. And Dyer nodded. Let's assume that this orange isn't an orange, but it's you. And someone squeezes you, puts pressure on you, says something you don't like, or offends you. And out of your comes anger, hatred, bitterness, fear. Why? The answer, as our young friend has told us, is because that's what's inside. It's one of the great lessons of life, says Dyer. What comes out when life squeezes you? when someone hurts or offends you. It doesn't matter who does the squeezing. It's what's inside is up to you. It's your choice. So just like orange juice and grapefruit juice comes out of an orange, what's inside of us comes out automatically when life pressures us. And so what I have learned is one of the ways to deal with those life pressures and to deal with grief is to practice self-care. And as a minister, one of the things that I appreciate so much is that if I'm going to respond to your needs and if I'm going to be the minister for you and truly administer to you, that I need to practice self-care. So I look forward to my day off, not because I'm away from you, but because I need that time to prepare to serve you. And so just as I need that for ministers, each of you need that in your life. And I can't encourage you enough. Establish practices in your life for self-care. Go for a walk one day a week. Try yoga. Do something that fulfills your soul. Just recently, about a, I guess about a month ago, uh, Reverend Linda asked me if I would join the Heritage Ensemble group. Now, the Heritage Ensemble is a mostly an African-American chorus that sings African-American spirituals. And I was thought, well, gee, I'm white. Uh. <laughs> but um, it has been a really wonderful experience. And something happened this past week as we preparing for our concert, which was last night is there had been a really stressful day here at the church and, and we left to go to the rehearsal. And for two hours we were in rehearsal and preparing. And for two hours I completely forgot about the challenges of this place. And I recognized that how important singing in this group is to me in helping me in my self-care. And so, may I admonish you, we all have losses, the great losses, losses of loved ones, and that is something that we never get over, and I can attest to that. 
But the other losses in our life and losses in general begin to practice self-care so that you can be not as the orange when squeezed burst out what's inside, but that you can, when squeezed, still have love. As Unitarian Universalists in this community, that is the strength of our community, is that we love one another and we create a place where people can feel loved, can feel accepted, can be respected, and can be who they are. So cherish this community, but also cherish yourself enough that on a weekly basis, you will choose to do something for you that enhances you, that blesses your life, that helps you deal with the grief and losses that you have. But do it. And that is my challenge to you as your minister. May it be so.